and welcome again along to The Waiting Room, a Quantum Leap podcast. My name is Simon, and joining me as always in this little jaunt back and forth through various dates and time is my good friend, my partner in time, Mr. Benny Mac. How are we doing today, sir? I'm all right, thank you very much. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. A little bit of clarification for everyone out there listening. This is the first episode Benny and I have recorded since the incredibly sad passing of Dean Stockwell, who played the character of Al in Quantum Leap, obviously. Um, There is a tribute episode, I suppose, a a little extra episode a few weeks ago uh, via Radio Techers available that Benny and I recorded when we heard the sad news. But yeah, this is the first episode we've recorded of The Waiting Room proper i suppose yeah. uh, since the the sad sad news of his passing so i just want to uh, again say how sad this is and and thank you mr stockwell for all the memories and great moments from quantum leap and and your career in general yeah i 100 uh, agree with what you just said so si. obviously if you haven't heard the bonus episode or the tribute episode sorry um obviously you wouldn't know that because what i said in that episode as well just to sort of so we could clarify like Sai just has uh, we recorded a lot of these episodes <laughs> um, during the uh, initial sort of, well, the second lockdown, I think it was, wasn't it? So and they've only just yeah. started coming out uh, at this point as we sit here and record t- with you today and sit down and have a chat about this episode. Um, they've only been coming out, well, by the time this episode hits, what? So this is what? So this would be like nine weeks, roughly eight weeks. So Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah so when we started recording, I think when we recorded the very first episode in Genesis, I think it may have been June, I think. So hence why until now you wouldn't have heard us mention Dean as Dean's passing until the uh, tribute episode. So hopefully that makes sense for people that haven't listened all the way through. And if you just discovered us, so hopefully that makes sense. If you haven't, uh, listen to the others we would recommend it because there will be spoilers i think ahead <laughs> so yes <laughs> yeah definitely um okay so on to today's episode uh kamikaze kid season looking, one episode I've been, eight I've been, of quantum for, Leap. I've been looking forward to this one man I, since yeah started i'm this. fairly certain that this was one of the episodes that we both listed as being uh one of the one of the ones we're looking forward to when we started when we did our, our genesis our first ever show and we looked at episodes of quantum leap that maybe we're a bit concerned about going back to because they might not have aged so well but then other episodes that we remember very fondly uh, and i agree with you benny this is one that i remember very fondly yeah it's a it's a great episode it's um and also like owl makes a more of an appearance in this one in a sense of he's already prepared for the history of the people that Sam, you know, the lives that Sam's leapt into, isn't he? Like from the get go, mm. like in, in the past few we've noticed between, cause I didn't really notice this going back uh, until we went back with these episodes out in some cases isn't actually feeding Sam because they're more concerned about getting Sam home, aren't they? Whereas this yes. episode seems to start as soon as Al's there in a great outfit, by the way, um, which we'll talk <laughs> about in a moment, I'm sure. But, um, he's already ready with the information for Sam to what he's got to do to leap. Um, and I think that, yeah. might, I don't know whether this, I might be the first time because in color of truth, which would have been the last episode, obviously the person he leapt into was in the fifties. The records were a bit more shady. So even if Al did try and prepare for that, he wouldn't have had as much as detail as what he's got with, um, 
you know, the family that he's leapt into in terms of the little brother, uh, you know, Cameron. So I think this is an episode that really feels like it feels like what I remember Quantum Leap being. This is very much the, the the sort of gist and the theme of the show that I remember. You're right, Benny, in saying that previous episodes that we've watched already for season one. But, you know, everyone's aware that I have my concerns about going back and, and watching from season one anyway, because I remember it being quite up and down uh, from from back when I initially watched it. And it's not a season that I've gone back and reviewed a great deal. I, I think season two, the show really gets into its own. Yeah, However, you've, said that, you've said that a lot going through this whole process. <laughs> yeah, it's just that thing of I, I don't want I don't want people to sort of jump on the show and go, OK, well, I'm going to watch along. And I'm going to check out Quantum Leap because of the guys on the waiting room, uh, which we've had people on Twitter and, and other social medias say to us, which is fantastic that people are interested in this this old vintage, uh, almost niche time travel TV show because of a podcast that two dopey idiots from Gloucestershire are putting <laughs> out there about it sort of 30 years later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're very makes grateful sense. for that. It makes sense. I don't want somebody to sort of jump on the jump on quantum leap and start watching from season one episode one which you know is the logical thing to do and then watch a few episodes and go oh my goodness what is this nonsense because there are a few episodes that are quite hit and miss this one however this is what i remember quantum leap about quantum yeah Yeah, this is what i remember this is the show that i love he knows what he's got to do al's given him the information of why he is there and what's going to help him sort of continue his journey make him leap again we're getting updates all the way through the show from Al as to what's going on. We have uh, uh, jumping way ahead of myself here, I guess. But at the end <laughs> of the episode, we have Al explain what happens after Sam leaves. And that's a big thing for me. I really, really enjoy yeah, you knowing don't get what the, happens after he goes. You don't get the closure all the time, do you? Occasionally you do, but like majority of the time, I would say probably, I don't know, one in five, we get the info next time of what happened and is are they okay and did it work out all right after and but generally you don't really get it do you so it makes mm. uh so i understand where you're coming from because you want to be making sure those people are safe or whatever <laughs> so yeah yeah a little bit of a I, I suppose a little bit of a spoiler alert i watched this episode kamikaze kid i enjoyed it so so much watching it back i made notes and um sort of prepared for the finish of season one by watching the next episode play it against Seymour straight after. So I did these two, the research for these two episodes back to back. We return to the format of not really knowing what's going on in the next episode. So don't get too excited. But Kamikaze Kid, we're on today. This is this is a great episode, Benny. What were your what what are your initial thoughts, I guess, watching watching the show back? I mean I know it's one that you've seen time and time again. You listed it as one of your favourites. The thing I always remember from this particular episode, obviously, apart from the story and the, um, you know, the stuff that goes in Suze as we'll get into it, is the music, actually, weirdly. Even though I'm nowhere near from the 60s, there's like um, there's some great music playing in the background. And just yeah. um, and again, I'm not massively into my 60s music, but there are certain songs that are featured and I just, just can't help but sort of like <laughs> sort of nod your head to it in sort of I'm singing I'm singing it in the back of my sort of head or whatever, and um, very strong um, from the moment this episode starts. Obviously, with the whole car racing and then the diner and the cheeseburgers and the malts and stuff like that, it's very much a very much a grease vibe <laughs> straight away. Oh, without a diner, you know? it's the same sort of time frame, isn't it? The the, the first grease film was was set at that time, 
I mean, Sam has leapt into um, a, a young man named Cam Wilson, who is 17 years of age, and it's June 6th, 1961, in California. And yeah, if you imagine Greece with the cars and the diners, exactly as Benny described it, and the jocks with their matching jackets and so on, it's exactly like that, Benny. I, I think you're spot on there. I was waiting for the T-Birds to walk past, you know. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so there was that vibe to it straight away. I mean, not that it's a musical or anything by any stretch of imagination, but just the culture of how Greece was set and stuff like that. So there's that going on. Um, I'd forgotten about the uh, the young girl that has a crush on Cameron. Um, I'd Actually, for, for some reason, I'd forgotten about her. I don't know why, but like obviously for her... Yes. Uh, is it Jill? That's it, Jill. Um, wearing the cap and everything, so quite a tomboy look going on um, compared to like Cheryl, his sister, who's got the big hair, the nails, the makeup, the dresses. Do you know what I mean? So mm. she is like completely. Well, she's a tomboy, which I, I don't know. I don't get the feeling that tomboys. Nothing wrong with it. I'm just. It didn't. I get the feeling in that era, it was something would have been considered like she's weird because she wears dungarees and caps and works on cars do you know what i mean she's very much like a was a tomboy basically uh what would mm, no yeah i suppose potentially i mean you see her at the very beginning of the episode you, you see uh, again i think this is just just so people are uh, you know clear as we go through this episode here i loved watching this back so i'm going to be full of praise so just to sort of you know if people are if people are tuning in or pressing play or, or you know bloody I made myself sound old then didn't I tuning in if people are, <laughs> if people are downloading the episode well, to... pressing play or whatever they wish to do to hear me kind of be grumpy sigh and moan about certain aspects you're not going to get that this week I'm afraid you say, I really like this you say you sound old tuning in I'm, I'm watching it on DVD that I brought years ago and you're streaming it so if anybody's old here it's probably me because I'm watching uh, no, it I'm not streaming it I've got it actually set up to record off the sci-fi channel every week well there you and go my then. wife keeps saying you know the memory on the on the um <laughs> the, the the virgin cable box is at like 79 percent because i've got 80 episodes of quantum leap recorded on <laughs> <laughs> you can't encroach on the old uh desperate housewife episodes <laughs> no, no no oh she's finished all that mate That's oh, okay there we go then. <laughs> um but yeah it's very much right off the bat right from the very beginning you see characters being developed and the I suppose relationships between the characters building right from the very beginning. You feel like with there's the a history. tomboy kind of group. Uh, sorry, not the top. The sort of the, the jocks kind of group. The, the tomboy lass that you described there. His relationship with his sister is very loving as well. Cam, who who Sam has leapt into, his relationship with Cheryl, his sister, is a very loving relationship there as well. Yeah. It sets a scene very quickly, uh, Benny, doesn't it? Yeah, I feel like the. Um the characters which i'll do some tropes in a second but i feel like very um uh, from the even though sam is technically the outsider now because he's in cameron's i think cameron's what 16 15 17 17 okay okay Okay. it was just weird when it started because he's there racing that car and he's got that cigarette in his mouth and i thought this i I remember him being like a 15 year old kid but he's not he's 17 Mm. is he okay i miss uh, i must have misheard that then but um having his cigarette in his mouth why is this 15 year old smoking do you know what i mean that's what i thought but my point was that apart from sam being the outsider even though he's trying to sort of find his feet and who these people are uh from jill to the jocks to his sister i mean he only gets his uh, he, i don't think he realizes it's his sister until she starts talking to him because she's a very caring person isn't she she's going to the peace corps and stuff 
But my point was that um, the you feel like these characters have a history from the moment you see them. And you can almost relate to it in some sort of way, whether you were a jock or whether you were um, a nerdy kid or an outsider. I think to a degree we all feel somewhat um, outside, even though if we have a good circle of friends. Um, we always feel different to everybody else. So like for them to be have this, even, even to the bit where Sam does the walk through the house with the dreaded mother, um, Cameron come and see me and she shouts at him. That mother's shout now is very universal, oh, yes. I think. Um so from the moment you meet all these family members, from his dad to his mum to his sister, you feel straight away they're a typical family, caring, but you feel like the history's there already. And there's a lot going on, obviously, um, in terms of this uh, young woman's life. She's leaving school, isn't she, and uh, getting married, uh, basically, to this uh, Bobby character, um, <laughs> which we'll get into in a moment. If you don't mind if I can do a couple of tropes for you, because uh, I've got some actors in this that were pretty... Um, well, recognisable straight away, to be honest. Yeah, sure. You carry on, and then we'll we'll sort of set the scene for for the plot of the episode. Yeah, then. yeah. yeah cool, crack cool. on, mate. I always I always really enjoy this because there's people that I recognise and I got no idea where from. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, the one I will point out quickly is the uh, the soon to be mother-in-law, which is mm-hmm. Mrs. Thompson, um, and is Mary Pat Gleason. I did say to you off air, so I know I did, and you kind of reacted the way I <laughs> reacted more than I thought you would have. But she is the, so she plays the uh, mother-in-law to be uh, Bobby's mother, who seems quite timid in the episode. I'm not going to lie, compared mm. to the character I saw her in Friends in the first season of Friends, and she's the nurse uh, behind the counter uh, in the episode where Ross gets uh, smashed in the nose with a hockey puck. Yes. Um, yeah, and you reacted, you pop for that. You're like, oh my god, that is, you know. So yeah, it's, cool, it's, yeah. it's exactly the sort of thing that I enjoy about when when you when you do these these tropes because I watched the episode last night and I remember looking at her and thinking, oh, who the bloody hell is that? And I was racking my brains and I couldn't figure out. And I'm normally I'm I'm quite good at where I've seen people from before. But this this lady, this actress, I couldn't get it at all. Yeah. And as soon as you said it to me, I was like, oh wow, oh, yeah, of course yeah. it was. <laughs> she's quite a intimidating character in Friends, which I quite like. And she's like, Ross is there with standing there with a like a somewhat or a broken nose, and she's ringing up a consumer place, moaning about a candy bar that it's not. I'm not completely <laughs> satisfied. And she's like, look, my nose is really hurt. And she like just gives them this look, and they all like back off, and it's brilliant. She's good. I think she's done quite a lot of stuff to be fair. Um, but that was the one that. Um, sorry, sorry, Benny, to interrupt. Do you know what's really strange about that as well? Go on. I always viewed. And this is just me, but I always viewed Quantum Leap and Friends as being completely different time frames. You know, because obviously Friends ran until like 2006 or four or four, 2000, whatever it was. It started in 94, I think. So That's right. Yeah. 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 So it ran sort of to the mid 2000s. Um, I, I guess I kind of look at it as being a mid 2000s program then, I suppose. Whereas Quantum oh, yeah, Leap, I very much remember from my youth. And you look at it. Quantum Leap finished in 93. Friends started in 94. They were actually incredibly close together with regards to the times they were airing. Well, yeah, I mean, the uh, the uh, in the first episode of Quantum Leap, I mentioned, didn't I, that uh, Tom Burdell, which is the uh, co-pilot and best mate of Tom Stratton, who he leaps into mm. in the first episode, was also in the pilot to Friends. Uh, he played Paul, the one who Monica went on the date with. Um, so, ironically, he was in... 
he was a pilot in the pilot of Quantum Leap, and he was also a pilot in the Quantum Leap, and he's in the Friends of, <laughs> which is also a pilot. So I, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's done more than pilots, but anyway. <laughs> but there we I go. I hope so. I hope so. Um, I wish you got to start, start feeling sorry for the fella. <laughs> yeah, I always like to look up the person that Sam leaps into because sometimes mm-hmm. he leaps into somebody, and they don't tend to do much else after. <laughs> so <laughs> right. Um, but uh, the guy who he leapt into, uh, which is Scott. Um, forgotten his name that's bad menville sorry that's it uh so cameron actually has gone on to do quite a lot he was in fuller house uh from 2016 to 2020 the reboot of full house which i've never seen um but he's also done a lot of voiceovers he was in ncis as well um he's done voices in teen titans he was robin apparently um he's done loads of lego stuff like voiceovers and stuff do you know what i mean he's been in video games so he's gone on to have on screen, not so much, but behind the microphone, he's done, by the looks of it, a lot of, and the odd TV show here and there, but he's done a lot of um, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and stuff like that, um, and had a voiceover career almost, to, to a degree, you know, in that sense. So I like it when oh, okay. to see them go on and do um, to do other things. Now, Jason Priestley is in this episode. Yes. Now, again, I'm not a massive 90210 fan. I never watched it. It was before my time. But I, uh, he's done loads of stuff, hasn't he? He's been like the sort of pop in here and there. He's even played himself a few times because he's known so much for 90210 and stuff like that. So I remember my sister being crazy on it. Well, I you know, he's, um, I never watched it. I mean, looking at Quantum Leap, you can see why he was in 90210. He's a good looking fella. <laughs> at least he was back yeah. in the day. Um, it was uh, just the, what was his name? The one who plays Bobby, uh, Kevin Spratas, I think that's how you say his name. Um, he's been in stuff like Friday the 13th in 1988. Um, so he's had a Days of Our Lives. He played a character. So again, he's been in a fair few. Nothing that I was overly familiar with, but he looked really familiar. Now, I don't know whether it was because I've seen this episode of Quantum Leap so many times that I'm just remembering that I, or I think I've seen him in other things. And obviously we have Dean Stockwell in um, Scott Bakula, as always. Um, some great stuff. Um, but the one who played Cheryl... Now, I need to try and remember this, because it's been a long time since I've watched the film. Okay. But um, she was in uh, Face Off as a character called Kimberly. Now, I don't remember the character. And it's been that long since I've watched it that I don't really remember everybody. So she's in Face Off. She made appearances in X-Files as well in '99. She was an agent, like a random agent that I think they teamed up with at some point. So she's right. she's gone on to do quite a few different things as well. And that was really, I think Face Off was the biggest thing that I saw her um, kind of in. And then she's been in like stuff like Diagnosis Murder and stuff as well. So she's been, you know, she had quite a good uh, career. And I think there was a few more actors in here, but I figured we we'll, won't go too much into it. But they, there's actors in these shows that look familiar and you think I've seen them somewhere before, but I'm not sure if it's, like the Bobby character, it might just be the fact the fact that I've seen it, seen him in Quantum Leap. <laughs> Maybe I'm misremembering, so I'm not sure. That's pretty much the tropes this week, bud. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's some good ones there as well, isn't there? I, I love all that. I, I think it's fascinating where you recognise somebody from something else, and I can't quite place it, and so on. It, it, it's it's brilliant. It's great stuff. Um, the rough gist of this episode, then. And this is one of the reason why I was kind of really looking forward to getting to this this episode here is because it deals with quite a serious issue in a very, I suppose, well-written way, effectively of, of domestic abuse. The, the general uh, gist of this is, as Benny mentioned, 
Sam has leapt into Cam Wilson, the 17-year-old youngster, whose sister Cheryl is getting married to this individual, Bob. Um, and Bob is seen quite frequently, right, right from the bat, right, right off the start, swigging out of a hip flask in his car. He's obviously enjoys a drink. And Bob, it, it, the story, the, 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 the original history goes that Cheryl was supposed to be marrying Bob and they're supposed to be going off to the Peace Corps. Uh, it's Kennedy's America at the moment. And this is his call for people to help around the world and so on. She's answering Kennedy's call, as Sam words it in one scene. Now, the issue you have there is that's the plan. They're getting married and going off and doing this. Bob has no plans to do this at all. He has already started to hurt Cheryl. There's bruises on her in one scene in particular. And he is he won't leave for the Peace Corps until they are married. And that's almost like a way of him, I suppose, securing Cheryl in the long term and then getting her to change her mind or, or say she's not going or, or something along those lines. It's quite a sensitive issue, Benny, especially for Sam because he, despite his Swiss cheesed mind, he can remember his own sister marrying very young. And he, he says 17 again, I believe, on the episode. And she went on to live a very similar life to what is in store for Cheryl if Sam cannot, and I guess the cliche is, write what once went wrong, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, it in that moment as well, when Al kind of explains the scenario to Sam, Sam almost like over like it's like something you can see him change can't you he almost like takes a deep breath and like an emotional state almost takes over like he's memories just kicked in like oh oh this is hitting too close to home and then obviously he as you're getting to he uh he tells us that um his younger sister was a you know abused basically by her first husband and you know, she was more wanting to get away from the farm and start a life of her own, basically. But it ended up being to the wrong guy, basically. Um, I, based on what Sam says, I guess they found out after the fact. But um, mm-hmm. he didn't, you know, that's it's, like you said, it hits close to home for Sam, definitely. Yeah, yeah. The the opening scenes, we see a bit of the car racing straight away. I'll leaps, sorry, Sam leaps into uh, Cam in the middle of a race. Very grease lightning style um (laughs) racing to you know racing for pinks to keep cars and so on drag racing through what what do you what do you call that is is it an aqueduct is that what they call it is that the right term i think this in this in this particular the aqueduct i think was what was in greece mate you're getting the two confused um (laughs) (laughs) this is an underpass isn't it so it's uh what a freeway bridge would be above and they're racing underneath basically Mm. um so yeah they're racing the cars um Sam obviously leaps in as they're racing, which is very dangerous. Um, and then he swerves and, you know, we have the classic oh boy moment where he, then he looks in the mirror and he's basically in this 17-year-old um, acne-ridden uh, teenager in the 60s um, doing, uh, well, racing really, which I suppose was a, it's a culture, isn't it, in itself and it's been going for a long time. So um, yeah. it's when Al turns up though, man, in that uh very um space age looking jacket um the the glasses i don't even know where you would get those from um the red shirt and the uh the the, the, the what they called the, the 
the straps instead of a belt. Um, what the hell uh, are they braces. called? Braces. Braces, thank you. I never wore yep. them. Um, so, but that whole, I mean, I'm looking at Al going, that's my Halloween costume next year. Definitely. I, that's like, that's full on. If I can get hold of some of them glasses, mate, that's my Al costume. All I need to get is that jacket, a red shirt, <laughs> some braces. Oh, that'd you know be I mean? fantastic. And, uh, so yeah, that's going to be my Halloween costume next year, hopefully. So hopefully that will happen and we'll still be doing this show and I will share it out on the social medias. But, um, but nobody questions his, uh, I've said it before, but nobody really questions the clothes that Al wears, does he really? No. Um, we see, obviously, Sam, I say obviously, um, I don't know if you were going to touch upon it, actually, you probably were. Um, he has a conversation with Cheryl. She's all excited to go to the Peace Corps. Um, Bobby's attitude towards it, you can kind of pick it up from the moment before we've even been told anything. He's basically like saying, yeah, she says, oh, he's going to teach them new ways to fish. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm bringing the beer, you know. Um, so yeah. you can almost pick up on the fact that he's already kind of a douche, <laughs> really. Yeah, exactly. Great way of describing him. The guy's an absolute tool. He's, uh, <laughs> um, but that car is that car is fantastic, isn't it? I mean, I suppose we better comment on Cameron's car uh, and the nickname they have for it. Is it the Mummobile? They call it, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's like it's almost like an estate version of the other cars that are being driven by by I suppose the cooler kids, for want of a better term, and. He's openly mocked about this uh, on every occasion by Bobby and his his group of jock friends. Um, I think you get a real insight into that sort of time period as well, just by one throwaway comment when Al and Sam are discussing where and when he is, when you hear the term, it's the trial end of the most immature period in history. And I think that really sort of sums up how Sam views this time period and the people in it and how they behave potentially oh uh, yeah i mean you can see the um you see sam makes that comment and this very <laughs> sums up the <laughs> sums it up like you said so well um but the um you can kind of see that it's with the bobby's mates and his jock friends straight away you can mm. see it with them from the moment you meet them really so and like you know they're picking on um Jill, they rob a bag off her and stuff like that, and then Cameron grabs the bag and gives it her back, and then Cheryl's like, he, she calls him, "When are you? St- when are you guys going to stop being JDs?" Now I tried to look up the comment, um, the the slang for it. The only thing I can think of, it may, maybe, can you stop being a couple? Of, when 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 are you all going to stop being JDs? Is juvenile delinquents maybe? That's the only thing I can think okay. of. Okay, that's the only thing I can think of. I couldn't find anything referenced online in my brief search admittedly um no i've got no idea <laughs> so but my, my my logic dictates that she when she says jds that she means juvenile juvenile delinquents i'm guessing because they are being you know very juvenile and then they start obviously picking up picking on cam mm-hmm. and very weirdly taking his clothes off i think that it's very very strange moment where they throw him in that dumpster um uh the line of you know Wait, wait, wait! We wouldn't pick a pick on. Did they do the line of we wouldn't pick on a guy with glasses or something? Yes, that's, and, that's the that's the scene. Yes, yeah, you shouldn't you know, yeah. pick on a guy with glasses. So they take his glasses off, which yeah, I thought basically. was a funny little touch. To be fair, <laughs> um, they throw him in the dumpster, nude, basically, and his clothes are all over like the parking lot of this diner. Um, and then uh, I love the fact that Al gives him a nine point five for his dive, but he would have yeah. given him a ten, but he's got some rushing on his mother's side. <laughs> It's just like <laughs> random, just random stuff. Just random comment from Dean. Yeah, it's brilliant. So, 
Um, Jill as well, the the sort the 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 young tomboy lass who we find has a crush on on Cam. Basically, Gareth's his clothes up to bring it over to him, and Sam's getting repercussions here for stepping in and assisting Jill when she, when Bob's jock mates had her bag and so on. And she seems overjoyed that this has happened. She's like, you got pantsed for me? And she seems to be made <laughs> up that he's done this and, and effectively got terrorised and thrown in a dumpster without his, without his clothes for her benefit. Yeah, a bit random, isn't it? Then she's like, picked it up. Did you get, I mean, did you get pants because of me? What was he wearing before? Shorts, maybe? I don't really know. But, um, of course, I keep forgetting. When, he, when she said pants, I was like, oh, wait, wait, no, America. They mean, they mean trousers. <laughs> So for yeah. a split second, in my brain went, pants, what? And then they said he wasn't wearing any underwear. Oh, well, okay, now I get it. Um, and then she's picked all his clothes up um, and then goes to run away with his clothes while he's still nude in this bloody <laughs> dumpster. <Yeah. laughs> she's got, she, Sam's got a corner back, hasn't he? I mean, she yeah. means pants, doesn't she? You know, when, when you sort of whip someone's trousers down. And, and, oh, okay. Um, it makes more sense now. Like, yeah. Did you get pantsed? From, we used to have a, an annoying habit of a few of the lads from the football club would do that when you stood at the bar um, after a game and you sort of had your tracky bottoms on because you've been, you know, obviously playing sport and a couple of the boys would come up behind you and just whip your trousers down while you stood at the bar in front of all the, the regulars, which was called pantsing, which is, you know, great fun. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I get the line, you got pants, you got panted or whatever the freaking line was because of me. Yes. I understand the line now. I've always, I never, I never got it before. I was like, what was he wearing before then? Was he not wearing trousers? I, I honestly, I didn't get that until right now. So you've just clarified uh, okay. something for me. That's <laughs> a bit uh, random. Uh, this, this is why this relationship works, mate. Because you <laughs> and me both learn something new all the time. From it's each good. Other. It's good. <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch it back and rehear that line, and I'm just gonna make a lot more sense now. Yeah, and yeah, now definitely. I, now I can pretend to be the knowledgeable one. Somebody's, what, did he, what did she mean by that? Oh yeah, because he got uh, <laughs> pants. <laughs> yeah. His clothes taken off him. Basically, I know, I know what it means now. Oh, my God! Right, I'm done with this episode. Fantastic. I'm going to go in. <laughs> um, Sam eventually heads back home, or to Cameron's home, I guess, not his own home, obviously. And we get more of a, I suppose this is setting the scene with the characters involved, and I really like this because it's, it shows the kind of. I suppose, I suppose the love between Sam or Cameron, apologies, his parents and, and their young son as the dad is there in his vest and underwear, having a beer, watching telly and play fighting with, with his boy. His mum calls him in the kitchen to tell him off. Uh, yeah. And I got a real kick out of this scene, Benny. I thought this was fantastic because obviously to the characters, they're talking to 17-year-old Sam and he's getting his butt kicked by his mum <laughs> for, yeah. for, for having an old vintage Playboy. Um I like that well, line. By the, I like that line. By the way, where, where he says, um, "Oh, it's an old Playboy magazine," and uh, she's like, yes. "Old oh, Miss June looks pretty fresh," or whatever the line yes. was. Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously, to him, it's a retro magazine, but uh, yeah. it's in the current time. So, I just want to say quickly before we go back to that: is the the dad punching him in the arm, and he's like, "Oh, don't punch me in the arm." He goes, "Oh, you call some out. You can't take a punch anymore." He goes, "No, I hurt this time." He goes, "Oh, sorry." So he punches him in the other one, and it's yeah. just. Like, and I've, I've, you know, I met uh, kids' dads that were like that back in the day, and I still laugh my ass off when the mother's like Cameron, like really nice Cameron, come here, and he's like, oh, I'm just going. He goes, no, it's just like, yeah. Jesus Christ, don't mess with the mother and her dyeing her hair in the in the in the kitchen or whatever she's doing. I'm pretty sure there's, and... I'm pretty sure there's popcorn on the stove um, with the 
with the uh, foil on top to make popcorn. I'm pretty sure that's going mm-hmm. on. So, you know, it's very like uh, the classics. Again, like I said earlier, it's got that very Greece-esque, but then it's set in the same time period, so it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It it just tickled me with um, Sam getting told off because, you know, he's a grown he's, man. He's, <laughs> he's a grown man, as we're seeing him. But he's getting scolded like a child by this lady with a tin foil in her hair about this <laughs> this nudie magazine that the maid has found, and and he's told, oh, you're gonna get in, you'll be in massive massive trouble if we lose another maid or if another maid quits. Yeah. So how many how many filthy mags has this boy got? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of its time, mate. Of its time, definitely, uh, and yeah. would be for a fair few decades after for a while, I would assume. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, but again, that's also, like I said earlier, about it sets up the, you feel the history of this family already very quickly. And you immediately, at least for us, I don't know about yourself, but for me, you meet Bobby, who's pretty much the yin and yang, isn't it, to Cheryl? Like, but um, like Cheryl's very, wants to help people, very loving, cares about her little brother, um, doesn't agree with the jocks picking on Jill and her brother and stuff like that, um, sticks up for them. And she's a very caring person. She... I'm not sure how old she's supposed to be at this point. 20, 21. Um, but, um, yeah, you thought so, wouldn't you? Yeah, something, around something around that. Um, but even at that age, she seems very, again, but then it might be because of the people around her, but she seems very more mature than the, even the guy she's marrying. Do you know what I mean? And like the, mm-hmm. the lad, his, his friends who are still, I think they've just come out of high school. So that'd be what, 18, I guess. Um, or they're celebrating graduating high school. I I I think they say high school anyway. Um, so yeah, around the others, she looks very um, very mature compared to the rest of them. Definitely, she's so you almost like you you're like I like her straight away. You know she's good. Um, yeah, it's not hard, I suppose, when you <laughs> when you all the jocks around them. So you know. Yeah, definitely. And at the same time, you know, she's obviously acting a bit more mature than the jocks as well i suppose we'll, we'll refer to them as but she has this kind of innocence to her as well whereas yeah she's obviously more mature in mentality and, and attitude but age-wise not really so she is very much starry-eyed i guess she is very much head over heels in love with bob and thinks that she's getting the world and she's gonna she's gonna jet off to the Peace Corps and save the world and with, with her new husband and and so on and yeah, she's yeah. almost she's almost at a stage where she she's almost giddy with with love and giddy with life which is a real nice innocent thing to see but then I suppose it makes it even more difficult when you know when we know the the original history and and what actually happens I guess yeah yeah so yeah so you kind of and then like almost immediately so we're getting obviously the original history you covered but um like so Sam gets or Cameron goes into uh, Cheryl's room. They have a conversation and Cheryl um, relays a story from when they they were younger. He broke something. Um, Obviously, Sam's just playing along at this point because he doesn't obviously remember this happening because he wasn't Mm. there. Um, But she cares about her brother, definitely. But then, of course, Sam's now trying to, now knowing the history and what he's got to do is very much like, you know, what if Bob, you know, keeps drinking? She's like, oh, but, you know, there's no alcohol on, is it Tonga? Um, and he goes, and if he if he goes to Tonga, so she he's gone from being this probably again Cameron probably being sucked into the fact that his sisters with the cool kid from school, you know. Um, so yeah, obviously now Sam being the adult is like saying, look, you know, you just need to 
make sure it's uh it calms you know he needs to calm down or whatever and if he goes to Tongan almost sort of trying to let her know that this is not necessarily the guy she thinks it is and obviously which she doesn't obviously accept from her younger 17 year old brother who was literally days ago spouting how cool Bob is to now go in he's not that cool yes exactly exactly that's a real good good way of looking at it I suppose I didn't even it didn't even enter my mind that before the arrival of Sam Cameron would have been looking up to this this person and I suppose he would have been because he's, he's trying to emulate him in many ways with the car yeah, and was, yeah, the racing the and so on so yeah that's a really good point Benny um I suppose things then kind of accelerate quite quickly, don't they? Because we get the the preparation for the for the wedding. We get the well. I suppose I know you're incredibly fond of this moment, as we we not long briefly discussed it on our um, our mm. Dean Stockwell episode of Al arriving. <laughs> he Al says he wants to test out something to do with uh, Ziggy's circuits, uh, Ziggy's time circuits, to make sure his timing is. Uh spot on basically for when things are going to yes. happen so it was it seven minutes past two <laughs> <laughs> oh, excuse me excuse you go on seven minutes past two apparently cheryl's lingerie party <laughs> which i didn't even know was a thing was um going to be know. taking place so that was the time that al decided to use to <laughs> test the um the, the Ziggy's timing, as you said, Benny. And he was seven seconds out, damn yeah, it. Yeah, he was. How dare you be seven <laughs> seconds out for a lingerie party? But I love the fact that Sam goes, What are you doing here? And he's like, Um, well, I want to test the time circuits. Um and he predicted that uh, Cheryl's uh, lingerie party would, you know, kick off at this time, but he was seven seconds out. He knows, okay, but what else are you here for? And he goes, Nothing. I thought lingerie was enough, and then just walked through the wall. And it's like, okay, <laughs> and it's... oh, it's it's dodgy, but it's it's still funny. <laughs> it still made me laugh, you know. And I'll be honest, it. I, I watched <laughs> this episode as the first episode of Quantum Leap I've watched since hearing of of, of Dean Stockwell's passing. Yeah. So those moments, I suppose, because of what I heard that day before pressing play on this episode. They kind of meant a little bit more, I guess, on I this think occasion so, to yeah, what they no. might have before, if that yeah, makes sense. I, I mean, I watched it myself today, and that scene came up, and I couldn't help. And it's just little from the even from the uh, you know, I would have given you a ten, but I've got Russian on blood on my on my mother's side, so I give you a nine point five. You know, just stuff like that, and just <laughs> like, and I do you know honestly that when he when he first appeared, I mean, I've seen this episode so many times. But the the glasses, like I said earlier, like the gla- the the wardrobe Al has in this initial, um, you know, finding Sam in the in the sixties, in Cameron, um, the stuff he's wearing, I'm like, holy crap, that is like actually pretty cool. <laughs> and I'm not, you know, I'm not one for that type of thing. But like, I honestly, man, I if I can find put it together, I might end up doing that for Halloween, which I've already said. But as you said, it feels a lot more. I think knowing we're never gonna have the opportunity. To see Dean Stockwell maybe reprise the role of Al, which I re- which we touched upon in that episode um, uh, last week. Uh, so it's just, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think the moments mean more, which they always were good moments anyway. But just obviously with the recent passing, like you said, it's it means a lot more. But him just like I'm only here for the lingerie, and then walks off, and that's it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's see- just so simple but so funny. Yeah, not even here to see how Sam's doing. How's it going? Just nope, lingerie. See you later. Yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> we end up with Cheryl trying on a wedding dress shortly after this, and it's Bob's mum's wedding dress, much to the dismay of Cheryl's own mother, who wanted her to wear hers. And this ends up in a bit of a bit of an instant where Cheryl's mum drives away in a bit of a huff. Which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to if they've ever done done a wedding and they want to keep their family happy, whether it be a wedding dress or where they want to hold it or whatever. I think you can, most people can relate to falling out, but it's, you know, she's trying to, Cheryl, poor Cheryl, I think she is that type of person that is, she's trying to make Bob happy. She's trying to make her parents happy, trying to make the in-laws happy. Do you know what I mean? Oh, definitely, yeah. um, So I feel like in this moment, as we're going to get to, she does kind of, sort of not lose her temper but she's like i've had enough of this you know you can see her starting to sort of crack under the pressure a little bit of this whole wedding and try and make sure everybody else is happy even though it's supposed to be her one well hers and bob's technically day for them to be celebrating their you know love and everything but everybody else is going you should do this you should do that and um yeah you see her kind of lose her again not lose her cool but she definitely you can see the uh, the cracking <laughs> of the whole situation really in her sort of mind. And then this is where we see the Sam's like trying to calm her down and he sees uh, bruising, I think, isn't it, on the back of her neck? Yeah, she's desperate to take the wedding dress off um, and, and struggles with the, the, the buttons at the back. So Sam offers to just help and do the buttons and there's a bruise on the back of her neck. And this is when Bob actually turns up with a bunch of flowers for Cheryl. Cheryl runs into the house. And Bob basically gets challenged by Sam. But again, we're seeing Sam challenging Bob. Yeah. Bob, this big jock, and he, and he is kind of, I suppose for want of a better term, he is kind of the alpha male, isn't he? He is the one who is the leader of the group, I guess. Yeah. He is the main the main guy in that social circle. Definitely he gets entitled. challenged by this 17-year-old kid. He kind of tries to laugh it off initially, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, like Bob, as you were saying, he's very much like got that entitled sort of swagger walk going on mm. as well. Um, but Sam literally says, because he's got the flowers in his hand, which you mentioned to Bob, saying, oh, is this to apologise for the bruise? And he's like, oh, what the hell are you talking about? And just, like you said, tries to laugh it off. Um, and what am I, I mean, I'm sure we've all felt like doing this to the person that hurts anybody we love or care about, but Sam says, oh, yeah, it's, all, it's a kind of bruise that happens when you grab somebody like this and grabs hold of Bob and the shoulders yeah. and, like, really, like, grabs hold of him. I'm guessing the strength of Cameron, a.k.a. Sam, is a shock to Bob because you look at his face, he's gone... Because Cameron is obviously a 17-year-old boy and Sam is a grown man (laughs) grabbing hold of this jock. So all of a sudden, this young lad probably feels to Bob like, oh my God, this dude's strong, like, you know? Mm. (laughs) So Yeah, definitely. He he kind of... Bob, this is, apologies. he, He kind of pushes Sam, Cameron, off, jumps in the car and says, oh, tell... Cheryl, I'll pick her up later for the rehearsal dinner. Yeah. And I suppose we get a lot more information as as to why Bob is the way he is when we get to the rehearsal dinner. Absolutely, Bob, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Bob's father turns up late, visibly drunk, uh, but, but not, I, I wouldn't say drunk as in a problem drunk at this point but he's obviously had a drink he has been partying he's, he's drunk before he's even returned to the is he before he's even got to the rehearsal dinner he's late yes. as well isn't he because he's been he's yes. a car dealer i think that's right and he's sold a few cars and rather than being cross with his dad for turning up 
and disrupting the rehearsal dinner and, and, and the wedding rehearsal and being a little bit intoxicated. Bob is over the moon. He sees this guy as a hero. It comes across very clear at this exact moment, that, that very scene, that Bob really looks up to his father. And his father is basically an older version of Bob. You hear things that he says throughout the episode. And it's kind of, you can see that Bob is modeling himself upon his dad's behavior. It's almost like he's copying, I suppose, like father, like son, I guess, Benny. Yeah, I mean, even the 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 mother um, who I mentioned earlier, who was in uh, Friends, she is like, she's kind of like, you're late, you're kind of ruining this moment or whatever. Uh, so Mrs. Thompson, and um, he's like, don't worry about it. I've got to sell cars to pay for this shindig and all this. You know, mm-hmm. he just waves it off like, you know, very much like a nonchalant sort of like, yeah, whatever. Then shows off the fact that he sold, what, three cars, two used or something, so he gets more money yeah, that's for right. that and stuff like that. So, um yeah, very much. Uh, you can kind of see almost as well. To I'm not saying that Bobby's father is um, treating um, his mother like the way Bobby's treating Cheryl, but you can see this could possibly be this woman who has basically been not. I mean, the father doesn't tell her to shut up or anything, but he's like, "Nah, don't worry about it," and just like dismisses her feelings and her concerns yeah. very quickly. Um, so you can almost see that this what Cheryl would, might have to deal with with Bob going down the line to a degree, if not worse, because obviously with the bruising and there's clearly something more going on in in Bob and Cheryl's relationship, isn't it? Mm, yeah, definitely. It, it, it's, it is almost like a warning for what's coming in the future, potentially, yes. Yeah. You get a couple of great moments here as well, I think, before we get into the whole uh, bathroom, restroom moments that dictate a lot more of the show sam because he's 17 years of age he's sat at the kids table yeah which is funny <laughs> yeah but of course we see him again it's a regular occurrence throughout this episode we see him and again i suppose this is why i love this episode so much because we're we're getting those awkward placements those awkward moments of the grown man <laughs> we see sam sitting in environments that his the body he's occupying at the time would be in. So 17-year-old lad sat at the kids' table with his <laughs> wine glass that has milk in it. Yeah, um, yeah. I forgot about all the children. Yeah. I forgot about that, actually, the milk in the uh, wine glass. I yeah, forgot about that. And yeah. we see Sam, and it's again, it's another one of those moments that it, it's funny. It tickles me. It even does a toast with the wine glass with milk in it, which I thought That's was it. very the, funny. I think uh, um, the – because – Bob's like uh, Bob's father, I think gets or Bob gets her Cheryl a wedding gift, and it's a color TV, which That's obviously right. was a thing. It was color TVs were new at the time. Still, they were, I'm assuming, very expensive when they first came out. Um, and then, uh, so he's like, "Oh yeah, we got a color TV." So I think he's trying to woo her with stuff she could have here, which she wouldn't yeah. have in you know in the Peace Corps at Tonga. So it's like I kind of see at least that's for me how I took it. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, but the speech that Sam gives uh, for Cheryl and the fact that she cares and wants to take the call of Kennedy, as you said earlier, and stuff. And then uh, thanks to Bobby's gift, I'll be watching Bonanza in colour, you know, because they don't have any electricity <laughs> on the island of Tonga. It's probably one of my favourite, kind of putting him in his place. Yeah. Because Sam knows what he's trying to do, but nobody else really has picked up on this yet. So, And then the look on Bob's face when he says, I'll be watching Bonanza in colour, is yeah. absolutely brilliant. And I think it's well played by using your words in this case. And um, 
saying basically to Bob, look, you're not going to hurt my sister and I know what you are and she wants to go to the Peace Corps, so you better let her almost to a degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the way he delivered that line was absolutely brilliant. Um, so, yeah, I, I do like that scene, to be fair. Yeah, it is very good. We then get Sam. Well, Al has arrived, so he wants to go to the restroom to talk to Al away from prying eyes and ears, I guess, where when they arrive, there's two things that really happen in this scene. Um, I'll I'll run through the more serious one, Benny. Um, Initially, we hear Bob and his father communicating Uh, in the restroom about future plans. Yeah, Chuck Chuck Thompson, his father's name is... Okay. Just so you, just so because you, you sound like you didn't know. <laughs> no, 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 no worries. Um, Bob and his father are communicating about the, the the future plans, and basically Bob is going to become a partner in the secondhand car firm that his dad owns, and they his dad has bought them a house to live in, which he has been told to keep quiet about by Bob because Cheryl will go mad about this because he's she's really sold on the Peace Corps. And we get the comment from the, the, the dad as they're leaving the restroom of, your mum wanted to go to college. Me getting her pregnant with you ended that. Do yeah. you get the picture? So you kind of see how the male, I suppose the male attitude towards the ladies in this time by certain individuals very much was. But I know there's another moment in the restroom as well. I suppose it's a, a kiss of history, as we've worded it before, Benny, that you enjoyed. If you want to sort of run through that one for us, yeah. I mean, so as you just mentioned, they uh, so Sam obviously hides, and they are, and I, I just to very quickly just go back. They hide in the stall, so it's, um, Bob and his dad don't see Cameron, aka mm-hmm. Sam, um, and then um, <laughs> I do like this little bit, which you. Uh, just skipped a bit a little bit on was the uh al starts talking and sam tries to shush him and i was like they can't hear me i'm a hologram and he's walked out the <laughs> cubicle and sort of stands there watching them talk which is funny it's like a little moment yes. it only happens literally like that and it's done but i just wanted to mention that i found that quite funny um, yeah that was great and then after this they're kind of discussing the whole like i don't normally share him uh men's uh men's room gossip but in this case i think we will basically um but um yeah, a young lad comes into the loo who's probably about five years old, roughly, I would say. Maybe, you know, maybe, yeah, I would say five or six years old. Um, yeah, yeah, I reckon yeah, around that yeah, sort of age. Yeah, in a, in a very smart little, like, uh, a suit almost with the bow tie and the and the um, the jacket and everything. Um, um, and he goes, hey, who are you talking to, mister? And he's like, oh, no one. And for some reason, they just start dancing. <laughs> There's no real reason to it. And they start doing moves and Sam starts doing a couple of moves. Then Sam does the moonwalk. And then the little kid goes, oh, that's... And then he starts moonwalking backwards towards the door. And then a guy pops his head, or a little, another young lad, an older brother, I assume, pops his head and goes, come on, Mikey, we have to rehearse. And he's moonwalking by they going, bye-bye, basically. And it's um, the imp- implication here is that it's Michael Jackson as a young lad, yes. and Sam teaches and him the moonwalk, basically. He's inspired uh, Inspired, Jackson, yeah. basically, yeah. Um, I like it. Um, as I research this episode, I probably wish I hadn't now, because there, uh, there is a bit of a continuity error in terms of real life. But I'm just going to say it's uh, Michael Jackson and move on, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Basically, Michael yeah, Jackson wouldn't have been old enough at the time to be that age and to be doing that. So, the like I said, it's implied that it's Michael Jackson. 
So we'll, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, and you say, like, you know, randomly start dancing and so on, and you don't know why. It is random. It's so strange that they just... Obviously, they're trying to work this this clever little twist, uh, this kiss of history into this scene. And Sam and we'll call him Michael just start randomly dancing and copying each other and so on. It's so cheesy and so ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, I still loved it. Yeah. I still it, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> I think it's, you get cheese, don't you? And then you get this kind of, and it's like, it's just on the edge of cheesiness where you can go, just, that'll do. But you just hear that kid going, come on, Mikey, we got to rehearse. And that's it. And you're like, was that Michael Jackson? Obviously, Moonwalk mm. is very, you know, specific to him, obviously. Um, so, yeah, it's implied that it's Michael. Problematically, Jackson, but whether it actually is. Um, because, like we, like we said, we looked. I did look it up, and I wish I hadn't, because the timing and the dates don't quite add up. No, um, no. Unless the actual Michael thing. Jackson stole it from that little kid at some point. That's <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I suppose you don't know how many restrooms and how many children Scott Bakula danced with in this time. Well, yeah, maybe, there you go. <laughs> maybe he danced with him like the next week, this or maybe a couple of years later. This little lad that learned the moonwalk taught uh, Michael Jackson, and he just happened to be named Mikey. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So I don't. Yeah, know. maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose then we kind of. Everything escalates very quickly for me then, Benny, to be fair. It because does, yeah. Sam comes out the, the restroom and we see Cheryl, who, who's uh, basically been informed of what Sam and Al have overheard, confronting Bob. And he's trying to weasel his way out of it and kind of does. He kind of convinces her that the house is for when they get back from the Peace Corps. Yeah, They're going to yeah. rent it out and, and all this sort of stuff. Very, I suppose, very manipulative and kind of i suppose a sign or 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 a, a part of a personality that could be i suppose uh, put towards being abusive as well somebody who is kind of controlling uh, being manipulative and twisting the scenario and the narrative to be how they want it to be to cover their own backside i guess yeah. and then uh, basically al starts just shouting at sam racing for pinks so we're straight away getting to effectively setting the, the 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 scene for the final moments of this leap. Al shouting, racing for pinks, racing for pinks. Sam doesn't really know what this is, but he says it. Everyone laughs. After this moment, Al explains racing them for pinks is to effectively keep the the person, the, the loser of the race keeps the... The other person's car, basically. You yeah, win the yeah, car. yeah, the loser has to hand over the pink slip, which means that, yeah, the, the, the winner owns both cars. And again, it's that thing of it was so random out of the blue and it seemed to really accelerate so quickly until Al explained, yeah. I've known people like this. When he loses control, when he doesn't get what he wants, then she'll see the, his real colours. And I thought that was so well done because it seemed so random at first. I actually enjoyed this scene, uh, even though I've seen it so many times. I enjoyed this because, like you said, all, I was, like you said, shouting at him, going, racing for pinks, and then Sam just goes, racing for pinks, like you said, they all laugh and stuff. Um, but the, like you said, the explanation is brilliant, you know, because I've been up, I've been up with nozzles like this before. I think the line is, um, <laughs> which, nozzles. yeah, <laughs> um, once, uh, he loses his cool when, if he loses to a pile of junk, uh, the mothmobile, the kamikaze kid baser, the car, by the way, which I didn't mention, 
I feel like Cam's car is a hand-me-down from the parents that was yes. their car before that they've given to their young son, which is now fixed up to be a race car, which is not really. That's, that's it's just, the impression I got as yeah, well. Yeah, um, it's like a station wagon, isn't it? It's not the best for racing anyway. Mm. Um, but this young lad knows about mechanics and stuff like that anyway. But if you race uh, Bob for Pinks and he loses to the Mopmobile, um, then he will lose his temper and Cheryl will see the monster behind the, I think the line is Pretty Boy Mask. Um, so, but like you said, it's very random how they got to there. But then once Al, like you said, explains it, I think the whole scene and you, as as a viewer watching it, you go, yeah, that makes perfect sense now, you know, mm-hmm. but at the time you're like, why? It's almost, it's not quite as random as the dancing in the bathroom, but it's, it's up there. <laughs> I don't think anything's as random as the dancing in the bathroom. Just <laughs> <laughs> random, isn't it? <laughs> hey, kid, who you talk? Who are you talking to, Mister? Oh, nobody. Do, do, do you start dancing? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which we all do in the men's room. That's what happens. Have you in the never been room. in that scenario, Benny? That happens to me all the time. It would explain the smell <laughs> in the bathroom if men just start spontaneously start dancing in the freaking in the urinals. No wonder there's freaking stuff all over the floor. <laughs> oh, the world would be a happier place if blokes in the toilets just randomly started dancing with each other. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> bit random uh, but yeah <laughs> yeah so basically then we we get sam's concerns of well how am i going to beat him he's got the fastest car around yeah and they discuss nitrous oxide laughing gas which they can apparently inject straight into the engine give the car a massive boost of speed and it would give them an advantage because in 1961 no one else was aware of this they yet. Weren't, yeah and I do like that little inkling of like, but if you inject too much, the car could explode. Oh, okay. Mm. Um, yeah, great. So Thanks a little out. bit, a little bit. So it's not. It's kind of like it is. It sounds simple to begin with when he starts, but then he says, if you inject too much of this, it will explode. Oh, and so there is that little bit of danger already. There's already the danger with Bob in the whole car situation, but now you could have a car that could explode if not treating this. Um, nitrous oxide properly and putting too much in basically because it's flammable um, yeah. so that little gives it a little bit more of a oh cool this could this could go <laughs> this could go south pretty quickly yeah yeah definitely it's that kind of fine line between getting the right amount to win the race and the the right amount to not die <laughs> i suppose yeah basically yeah as if there wasn't enough on the line already just out of the ex- yeah. possibility of exploding into there as well so you know <laughs> Yeah, there we go. Uh, we basically then get Sam and Jill fitting the nitrous oxide to the car. And it's a lovely moment where the gas goes off. And again, it's laughing gas. So they start giggling and chuckling together. And you can see the, the relationship. And she she's obviously besotted with young Cameron. Yeah. It's quite a nice quite a nice moment before we get to the race itself. And this is, to me, this is why I love Quantum Leap, Benny. This scene here, if I was, sums it up for me, because it ticks all the boxes. All the stuff that I said in our very first episode, describing why I love this show. This is it. This t- it ticks all the boxes. The bad guy gets his. The good guys win. Everyone finishes with a smile on their face, apart from the bad guy, obviously. Oh well, yeah. It, it, it leaves me with a warm, fuzzy feeling in my belly, and we go on <laughs> to the next leap. It, yeah. It's it's everything. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I would say. If you were to show one episode from season one, you've got to either go Color of Truth or Kamikaze Kid, I think, to be yes. totally honest with you, um, which I know is uh, we've still got one more to look at in this season. But, you know, I would say if you wanted to, now ideally you want somebody to watch it from the beginning to make sense to a degree. 
But if you wanted to showcase Quantum Leap in, in just a, an episode from season one, it's definitely a coin toss between Color of Truth and Kamikaze Kid. 100%. I don't really know, you know. It would be yeah. hard. I would hard press to... I mean, don't get me wrong. The other episodes we've seen and watched, apart from maybe we've already talked about it, um, the uh, the teacher one. I've forgotten the name of the episode. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Star crossed. The first place. Yeah. Star crossed. Uh, the sta- first standalone episode. Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, if you chuck that in the middle of the season somewhere, I think it would have done better. I think you know you needed to have something a bit more to grab you. I think, uh, but don't get me wrong. The season did well, obviously, because it got picked up for season two. So, but uh, as I've mentioned many times, but it's um, yeah, I would say the color of truth or Kamikaze Kid. If you're gonna try one episode, I feel like you need to try one of those two, definitely. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And I think the ratings for the se- the series, the ratings for the first series, show that as well. You, you had the highest rated episode was Genesis, the very first one, and then. It kept a great deal of its viewers for Starcrossed, but then lost over what close to four million viewers by the next episode. Granted, they were jumping around time-wise and so on when they were showing it, but the the episode that followed Starcrossed suffered, I think, because of Starcrossed not being the best. Then, towards the end of the series, when you're getting the Color of Truth, Kamikaze Kid, and so on, you're getting much better ratings because the stories are better of any. Yeah, yeah, I can't really add to that, to be honest. Yeah, you're right. The story's got a lot better. Um, but yeah, I, I can't really add to that, to be honest. <laughs> to be honest with you, yeah, you're right, 100%. So yeah, the, the final scene that I'm so fond of, that, that we're sort of waxing lyrical about there, you have the race. Uh, Sam Cameron races Bob for his his pink slip, and I suppose predictably enough, but still brilliantly done and to keep you hooked and entertained, Cameron wins, uses the nitrous, beats Bob and his souped up car. Bob, I mean, he must beat him by quite a distance because Cameron gets, Sam gets out of the car and starts walking over to... Yeah, he's come back to where they were all stood, where they do the drag race to come back. Yeah, his group of friends and he's walking back. And he's got a bit of a swagger on here, Sam, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Definitely. Um, Bob accelerates. Yeah, this was... I remember seeing this the first time and it was just like, yeah, well done, Sam, you know, and then all of a sudden Bob's kind of sat in his car and you can see him kind of thinking then all of a sudden, or he's angry, then all of a sudden he accelerates and he's aiming for Cameron, a.k.a. Sam, and it's like, holy... (laughs) Really? And then he gets yes. out of the car. Luckily, obviously, Sam, I say obviously, luckily Sam jumps out of the way and it's all good. Just. I mean, just, just yeah. <laughs> and then he gets, Bob gets out of the car, luckily without scratching himself, to be totally honest, considering how hard he hit that car, mm. throws the keys down and says, there's your car. Um, and then this is where Cheryl is literally seeing Bob like, oh, she's trying to like defend him beforehand. Like, oh, he's just celebrating our wedding and, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Um, you almost killed my brother, and she, you know, then sees Bob for who he really is, basically. Yep, and she goes to to leave. Bob grabs her by the arm, pulls her back. Sam runs over, and we see Scott Bakula in all of his wonderful glory, <laughs> separating Sa- uh, separating Cameron, bloody hell, separating <laughs> Cheryl from Bob, giving Bob a good old right hook straight to the mush. Down he goes. 
I love the fact that Bob tries to get his mates to now beat Cameron yes. up, but they're like, nah, that wasn't cool, bro. And they like yeah. they, they kick him to the curb as well, you know? So Cheryl very um, symbolically throws the wedding ring, or the engagement ring, sorry, down on the deck next to her, her ex now, I'm assuming, uh, and they walk off. It's just a great moment, isn't it? Because you're seeing, I suppose it's that thing of we know what's going to happen. And it's the realization that Cheryl's eyes have been opened here to yeah. the potential horrors of what her life could have been. It's a real kind of the hero saves the day moment. And it, it is exactly what I love about Quantum Leap, Benny. Yeah, uh, yeah. You've said that a few times in this episode, man. But I agree with you 100%. It's, um, it's the, this is the bread and butter of Quantum Leap. This is what I said earlier. Like, mm. if you're going to try one episode... It's either got to be this or Colour of Truth. Um, so, you know, definitely a brilliant episode. Um, and we obviously get to the next bit where Cheryl, we don't really have like, we don't see the family fallout or anything. We can't, I'm guessing we're skipping forward maybe a couple of weeks. Um, and Cheryl's leaving for the Peace Corps. I mean, I mean, look at it like that. Look how she's going by herself to another country to help. Um, yeah. So very, now, even if you do that today, very brave thing to do by yourself. So that shows kind of what kind of person um, his sister Cheryl is, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So as Cheryl's leaving, she says that she's got a leaving present for Cameron. Uh, and it basically basically boils down to the fact that she's given Jill, the, the sort of tomboy who, who fancies Cameron, a bit of a makeover. And she's got the makeup on, the dress, her hair is done and so on. And... This is, this is, again, a touching moment. It's young love uh, and so on. However, it's a little uncomfortable for me because it's young love with a fully grown man. Yeah, it, um, it's the, uh, that's probably the only thing in this episode where it's quite cringy. And he, I mean, he, even Sam is very much portraying it as, or well, Scott Bakula, sorry, is portraying it as very uncomfortable. Um, it's a nice mm. scene when... Uh, Sam comes out of the train station and Al's there and um, Al's singing they have the song. a bit song. of a sing-song, don't they? Yeah, a bit of a sing-song, which is quite a nice moment. Um, and hello, Ali boy, and stuff like that, which he never says again, <laughs> which I, I love it. I think it's a great little moment. And then obviously Jill turns up. She's been made up uh, by Cheryl. She's got the big hair, the eyelashes, the lipstick going on. Um, but then uh, she also, they want to kiss, basically, or she wants to kiss Cameron. Uh, but she wants, to, but then she stops and wipes off the lipstick, which I thought was quite considerate, really. Um, but like you said, it's they do kiss, and it's a very tame, sort of tight-lipped kiss. I'm not going to lie, but it's quite cringy, isn't it? Because like you said, it's Sam being this 30-year-old man, um, essentially, uh, with what is being portrayed as a 17-year-old or 16-year-old, and it's a yeah, bit 16. And she's a year below, isn't she? They say. Oh, is she on. okay? So, like you said, it's probably the one thing in this episode that's a bit like, oh, this is a bit, um, yeah, big. I mean, maybe we could have had the leap happen just as they're about to kiss, so they don't actually kiss. So that would have been perfect. Uh, yeah, you know, I think that would have been a better way to go with that. But other than that, this episode is like spot on. But yeah, it is. It is a bit cringy watching that <laughs> happen. <Yeah. laughs> uh, I'll. Al also explains that Cheryl went to the Peace Corps. It ends up being a lifetime job for her, effectively. It's a lifetime mission for her. She's with the Peace Corps still present day, Al says, and she's working alongside her husband, who she has met 
at the, on the Peace Corps as well. So that's brilliant as well. That's tying ever uh, tying all the loose ends up, I guess, and letting us know, I suppose, what happens after Sam departs, Benny. Um, we better get to our cacas and oh boys, I guess. Well, I think we both just mentioned the caca, to be totally honest. Yeah, I that's think what we, I've got on my notes. Yeah, I so, think Sam so. Sam the young lass at the end, that's my caca, yeah. Went a little caca. So yeah, that's the only thing in this episode, mate, I can really point to and go, mm, you know, that's And I'm kind it. of grasping at straws a bit with that too. It's not, I'm probably making it sound a lot worse it's not than as, it actually yeah, is. Yeah, it's not as bad as you, we've probably brought it across, mm. but... I think for me, if I was to re, if if I was ever lucky enough to be in that situation to redo that episode or whatever, I would have it so she says she wants to kiss him. They're leaning in, but just before they kiss, Sam leaps out. So when it comes yeah. to them actually kissing, it's Cameron. Um, but other than that, yeah, that's probably my only caca moment. To be honest with you, I there's not really much in this I can really point to and go. And when I say caca, which we've already mentioned, it's quite uncomfortable. Ish, but I think it's portrayed that way from Sam as well. I think when he leans mm-hmm. in, you can kind of see him kind of not, he's almost wincing. So he's like, Do I have to do this? Because it's, you know, <laughs> she's younger than me, basically. And Al stood there going, Go on. It's all right. Go on. <laughs> I mean, it's nothing untoward, is it, really? But you no, could, no, it's it, is, it, it is, like I said, that's the only um, caca moment, really. I mean, on the on the edge, I would say possibly the dancing in the bathroom, but that just comes across across more funny than caca, so it didn't it's quite make silly. the cut. It's, it's daft, silly, yeah. It? So yeah, the only thing I said, as we've already, but we both agree on this week, is the um, the kiss at the end probably could have been something else or done differently. But other than that, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. What's your... What about um, an oh boy moment then, Benny? Uh, there's a few in here, isn't there? In terms of feel good moments, I mean, you know, Cameron Sam knocking Bob out at the end after he's tried to run him over is a good one. Yeah. Um, oh boy, moment. I will. It's almost it almost makes an oh boy as well. The dancing of the Michael Jackson, uh, possibly of the kiss with history. That's quite a <laughs> yeah. cool moment. Um, but for me, as a couple, it's the relationship between that initial scene when Sam first walks into the house. And gets punched in the arm by his dad, and the mum going Cameron, and then like now, like shouting at him because we all, we can all relate to that. That's definitely an oh boy moment um, in terms of just comedy wise. Oh boy! But the best one for me is when Sam makes a speech at the wedding because um, not only is it sticking it to Bob, but being able to watch uh, Bonanza in color while he's away at the Peace Corps is also good. So I think that really those are my oh, two. Oh boy! Those are my yeah. two. Anyway, what about you? Yeah, well, you've mentioned mine, what, what I've got written in front of me. You've oh, mentioned already. Um, my, oh, boys, there's two. Um, Sam getting told off by Cameron's mum. Just oh, me. boy. <laughs> yeah. Because of, of the visual of Sam, the fully grown man, getting told off by, about the playboy. A that, woman that's dyeing yeah. her hair at the same time as well, yeah. with the foil in her hair, with the, the rubber cap on as well, which is absolutely it's hilarious. Fantastic. Yeah. And then at the end, because I love a good feel-good story, Bob getting smacked in the mush. I loved it. Oh, boy. There we go, then. <laughs> so there we well, go. We are pretty much almost on agreement on this whole episode, which has never yes. happened before. <laughs> well, let's do, our, let's do our ratings out of five, Benny. Where'd you place it? See, I've already said this to you. I said uh, one of these next few is going to be a five. I'm just going to not... It's going to be a 4.5 from me. And it's because it is the kiss at the end, mate. It just... 
is a bit cringy, and it's a bit like you can't ignore the fact that this is a fully grown man kissing a 16-year-old, you know? Even though, like I said, Sam is wincing and kind of like, I don't want to do this. It just takes a little bit off for me. But other than that, it's a freaking perfect episode for me. This is getting weird now. This is getting really uncanny and strange. Oh, no. (laughs) I've got 4.5 because it's damn near a perfect episode, apart from the kiss at the end. Oh, my God, really? (laughs) Yeah. Hang on, this deserves a... Oh, boy. (laughs) This is so surreal. That is creepy, man. That's never (laughs) happened before. That's really weird, man. For exactly the same reasons as well. That's so strange. Yeah, because normally I'm defending your caca or I'm saying, well, yeah, but it could be because of this or whatever. But we've actually done an absolute... <laughs> could this yeah. be the could be could this be a perfect episode of the waiting room? What's going on? This is a five out of five episode of the waiting room. <laughs> talking about a four point five episode of Quantum Leap. <laughs> In fact, sod it. Ziggy. Let's not bother anymore. The next episode's not as good. Let's not the whole thing on the head. It's not going to get better than this. <laughs> oh my god! It's going to be interesting to see how we both take uh, play against Seymour, which is next week, obviously. So, well, that's th- that's the next thing on my little format sheet yeah. maybe, that I have here. We normally have a little look at what's coming up next. Sam leaps into a fella stood there with a gun and a dead body at his feet. And the episode is Play It Again, Seymour, where it's the final episode of season one of Quantum Leap. It will also be the final episode of season one of the waiting ring, uh, barring maybe a little bonus look back on season one in well, its entirety. I will say um, this now, actually, before you go on to that, on that, on that subject very quickly, we will do one more episode and because I know you put out a tweet for questions. So anybody else that wants to jump on the tweet or the Facebook for the questions, we will answer those questions at the end of the season in episode. So it'd be episode 10 of the waiting room. So we've got one more review to go. Uh, so any of those questions that we had, favorite moments that you've liked to the show so far whether it be the waiting room or quantum leap and then we can discuss that in episode 10 sorry if that's all right with you yeah yeah with our look back on on season one um i suppose a a mini review of the whole season look back on the ratings we've given and and general thoughts that we've had on the nine episodes there yeah Yeah, that's a good show that's a great show so episode 10 will be the last episode of the waiting room before we because I think we are probably going to carry on, aren't we, to be totally honest, <laughs> with season two? Well, I hope so. I hope so. I'm enjoying this. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just hoping that Radio Techers wants to still carry the show after the end of the season, really. So we oh, are. Why would they not? We're bloody great. <laughs> well, we're looking, we are looking, to, genuinely, we are looking to carry on into season two and beyond. Our goal is to do every episode of Quantum Leap. Mm-hmm. Um, so as long as the, uh, waiting, uh, the waiting room, the uh, Radio Techers lads who are hosting the show for us kindly at the moment, um, want us to carry on hopefully we will but if it's not on Radio Techers I'm sure it'll be somewhere else I. so <laughs> either way this show will live on somewhere yes exactly but as we were saying Sam leaps into um, basically a guy stood with a gun in his hand and, 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 a, and, and somebody on the floor dead and that's the end of the episode there and it's 1953 the episode is called Play It Again Seymour any initial memories before we have the watch back and and check it out for the show? I think, uh, as I've said before already, I remember it not being as good. But then, come on, you've just literally come off Color of Truth and Kamikaze Kid. And Kamikaze mm. Kid is the, in this season is a damn near perfect episode, which is what we've just said. Um, him, 
I tell you what, that little clip at the end where he stood above the body and the gun going, oh boy, you're like, oh my God, this is, it takes a complete, it's not a 180, but it's a definitely a different turn. You think, what the heck is going on? Um, yeah, definitely. I remember the woman in this, I find her a bit annoying, I think, if I remember rightly, slash she also looks like Jessica Rabbit from Who Framed Roger Rabbit as well. So I remember that, <laughs> but it could be the, I don't know, maybe it's the style of the dresses and the time period they're in as well, maybe. Um, but in, I remember him, I just don't know, I remember, it, I remember there's a bloke in it from um, the young act, I say young, he looked the same age, um, I think he was in Sex and the City and yes. something I watched um, recently was called White Collar. He was in that. Yep. Um, I yep. love that show. Um, so, yeah, I can't remember his name, but I'm sure I will be doing the tropes next week anyway. But in terms of the episode, I get the feeling, I, I always remember thinking, I just want to watch season two now. I always want to skip this episode. Um, but so, I don't think it's going to be as highly rated as Kamikaze Kid, mate. Definitely. No. I mean, I, I've, I suppose I've cheated a little bit here. Because I was unaware yeah. exactly of how our recording schedule is going to work over these couple of days. I've watched Play It Again Seymour, as I mentioned earlier on. I've done my watch back and made my notes and so on. And the biggest thing that sticks in my mind is, could have been so much better. Okay, it's a gonna lot be of potential there. Could have been something really, really good. Could have done so much more with it. I think I'll leave it there, mate. All right, cool. I think, uh, yeah, no, yeah, I think that's the best thing to do, really. I've not watched it yet. It's been a while. But like I said, there are episodes sometimes you go, I like it, but I want to watch this one. So that's yep. the best I can give you, really, until I've watched it. So, Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Okay, so then, Benny, where can we find yourself and The Waiting Room on certain social medias? All right, so you can find us on uh, Facebook. Uh, just search uh, The Waiting Room. It's actually waiting room pod underscore, I believe. And then on Instagram, it's the waiting room, the waiting room uh, pod underscore as well. Um, you can find myself uh, at Benny Mac, B-E-Triple-M-Y-M-A-C-E-K. Uh, where can we find you, Soy? You can find me on Twitter at SJP Words and the waiting room as well at waiting room pod underscore on Twitter. Also, reach out, get in contact with the show. Let us know what you like, dislike, any comments at all, any suggestions, anything you want to hear, anything you want to hear less of, unless it's me or Benny because you're stuck with us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, any questions at all? Just, yeah, just reach out to the show. Let us know what you think at waiting room pod underscore. Uh, on Twitter and other social medias as well. Um, I've really enjoyed this this look back on Kamikaze Kid, Benny. It's made me smile and made me chuckle after the, the sad, sad news of Dean Stockwell's passing that we found out about shortly before recording time. So, yeah, I, I've enjoyed it, mate. Thanks thanks for the chat. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. And was, uh, obviously, check out, if you haven't already, any previous episodes. And we did have a episode which you will see as a bonus as a bonus episode it is it's not really a bonus so we don't class it as a bonus episode but we did stop and stop the reviews for a day uh to talk about the great actor that was dean stockwell and you know he which we did say in the episode as well he will be missed and we both i think to be honest i we were both we were genuinely both gutted that he's passed away and obviously yeah. that conversation is available if you want to listen to that so as i always yeah, say definitely. at the end of the episode it's time to leap out and we'll see you for at least two more episodes of The Waiting Room, <laughs> season one, very soon. 